All right. Welcome to episode 10 of APS Radio on Fire Engineering. I'm blessed to be joined with three lovely ladies today. So we got Heather, Stephanie, and Sarah with me. So if you don't mind, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself. We're going to talk about maternity. We're going to talk about reproductive rights and just everything, how it gets complicated because of the job that we actually do. So I'll go with uh, Heather first. How about you? Good morning. I'm Heather Buren, Lieutenant San Francisco Fire Department in my 24th year, and I'm here representing um, my department and the United Fire Service Women, which is our affinity group for women in San Francisco. Perfect. You, Stephanie. Uh, I'm Stephanie White. I am a technician out of Fairfax County Fire and Rescue. Uh, I'm about to start my 17th year, and I'm here representing local 2068 out of Fairfax County, Virginia. Perfect. And then, Sarah, this is the only time I'll spend with you because you won't, like, I have to have you on shows. That's the only quality time I get. Whatever. Whatever. We had, um, we talked just a couple days ago. Now, I'm Sarah Janke. I'm a director and senior scientist with the Center for Fire Rescue and EMS Health Research. Perfect. All right. Now, uh, Sarah, let's stay with you. Why don't you give some yep. background on the research? Because there's been a lot of science here recently regarding all these yep. issues. And from there, we'll kind of build up and we'll tag in Heather and Stephanie. Cool. Yeah. So um, there have been, there's been a lot of interest, I'd say like the last five years in reproductive health and looking at um, the health of women in the fire service kind of in general. If you look at like the history of firefighter health research, um, really the majority of it, about 70% has been done in the last 10 years, really FEMA started funding research and that really kicked off um, both FEMA funded and non-FEMA funded research. So a lot more interest in that area. And um, our team did a lot of, started with some studies, um, the kind of like large cardiovascular risk factor studies. And what we found is that it was difficult to publish the data on women specifically because it was a small sample. So we started um, designing studies to look specifically at women. One of the questions we worked pretty closely with Jeff Burgess's group out of University of Arizona. One of the big questions that um, has come up, you know, the first study was kind of like a broad, just foundational, what do we need to look at study? And so we had a publication there looking at rates of miscarriage, family rates of miscarriage and the fire service were higher than the general population. And um, it's grown from there. We uh, did a study with Jeff looking at safety of breast milk post-incident and um, then also looked more specifically at some of the you know, reproductive health. Um, we have a publication that uh, has a revise and resubmit, so should be out soon looking at miscarriage between um, career rates among career and volunteer firefighters, um, and then looking at other you know, preterm labor, but then also like other fertility issues and things like that. So it's kind of been, you know, there was some work done in the 90s, and then this work has been, um, the, the recent work is kind of updating some of the things that in the 90s were the conclusion we need more research in this area. So we're able to kind of build on that, which is cool. And then it's also leading to some um, discussion about men's reproductive health and health of sperm, things like that. And then also looking at the health of offspring, both men and women in the fire service. So it's an exciting time to be doing this work. Very good. It is actually just learning about the stuff I know is nothing that I think any of us were aware of when we started. We weren't thinking about this stuff at all. Um, yeah. Sarah, I'm gonna stay with you for a little bit. Actually kind of, if you don't mind, dive into some of those those different studies you were referring to. What are, what are they saying about this? Yeah, so 
so um, I, you know, I'll warn you that it's not um, it's not great news that we found uh, the first study found higher rates of miscarriage, but that was a career study. The second study, and like I said, it's not published yet, but it's close to being published. Um, Alicia Young from uh, Arizona is first author on that and did it actually as part of her dissertation. And she found um, higher rates of miscarriage among career firefighters than the general population. But that one actually found even higher rates of miscarriage among volunteer women in the fire service, which is... Um, which is disturbing, although when you think about maybe some of the reasons behind those, some of the like mechanistic reasons and, and like what being a volunteer means in terms of being on 24 seven, those types of things, maybe we didn't ask a lot of questions about what equipment they were using or protective gear they had, um, but I think it kind of speaks to the risks as a volunteer fire service. Maybe we're underestimating some of those. So uh, we did find high rates of preterm labor. Another area like that I find specifically concerning was the number of departments that don't have a, a, a pregnancy or maternity leave policy. Return to work is not as often not even considered. Um, the whole issue of breastfeeding and like how that's done and what your rights are in terms of like having access to lactation rooms. And when I say that, I don't mean a bathroom I mean like actually a room where you can um, pump and a place to store the breast milk, that type of stuff. Uh, Jeff's publication on that is not out yet, but he was finding um, contaminants. The preliminary data that I've seen was finding contaminants even, um, even 72 hours post fire. So, I mean, just some things that I think like these are kind of some really basic questions that we're asking at this point, but I think it's raising for every question we answer, I think it's raising 15 more questions about, you know, what, what does a good policy look like um, for pregnancy and for post-pregnancy? What information does um, the do, what, what information do women in the fire service need, but also what information do their providers need? Like if you go to your OBGYN pregnant and say, when do I need to come off the line? I mean, typically OBs say, you know, when you feel like you can't do your job, well, do they understand what being on the job means? And all these things that we see as like increasing risks for things like um, cancer and cardiovascular risk factors, those all are part of that same reproductive system. So, um, and then, like I said, you know, we, I sometimes feel like men turn off the topic when it, when you turn to reproductive health or miscarriage, but there's data out there that shows high rates of infertility um, among men. And I think there were 46% more likely in the study out of Europe to seek fertility treatments than general population. And so like, we also know that there's stuff going on, um, you know, likely things going on with fertility issues and, and sperm. And is that affected by, you know, heat and exposure and all those types of things. So I think, and then the next question that we want to get to that I think needs to be, I think more awareness needs to be raised about it because I think we need to ask the questions, but around the health of offspring. So both for men and women in fire service, we've designed a study, but had a hard time getting it funded so far, but looking at when we talk to um, to epi folks in this area and explain like, here's all the things that we see for firefighters and all their exposures, they were like, oh yeah, well, we should measure um, autism spectrum disorders. We should measure um, uh, attention deficit. Like these are all things that could be, uh, you know, related to exposures, um, exposure or um, exposures in utero, those types of things. And so I think it just brings a lot more questions. There was one EFO report out of Washington that reported three kids in the same firehouse. Obviously the kids were not in the firehouse, but you know what I mean? The, um, the 
kids of firefighters who all had cancer. Now it's going to be hard to study that because we're going to need a huge sample size. But like, I think those are important questions to ask and to know the answer to. So that's where, yeah, that's where we're at. I think we all probably agree. It's, it's one thing to expose us to all these chemicals and carcinogens and, and it, it kind of, it sucks, but it, it is what it is. And, and I know we've all been exposed to all sorts of stuff, but it's, it's, um, it tears the heart out of your chest thinking that you could be passing on the same, these same chemicals yeah. to our, to our kids. I yeah. mean, it just doesn't even seem fair. Like it makes you really question everything. Like I could take whatever, oh. like I shouldn't, it shouldn't be passed on my kids. That's hard to do. But it's- it absolutely is. But in some ways, like some of that stuff's modifiable, right? Like, so, you know, and again, like people don't get motivated by don't put um, dirty gear in your car for them. Like the thought of, of them getting cancer doesn't affect, but like some of these things are things that can be controlled. Um, you know, paying attention to your health overall does affect your kids. The exposures, deconning, those types of things. I mean, I think in some ways, like it's a message that we've been trying to preach about, you know, clean gear and limiting exposures and all those types of things that this is just another consequence of it. And so like, I think people need to be more thoughtful. Like your gear should only be for fighting fires when you absolutely need it. Um, So I think that is the lesson about cancer, but I also think it's the lesson about kids. Like it, so I mean, granted, it's all, it's all bad news, <laughs> I don't why, but, you know, I think there's the take home message of it can be that there, that, that it's also important, you know, that there is messaging around um, that we can use this for good, I guess. Can I jump in there? Because I want to add to, to what Sarah's saying that I think is so important. So a lot of my, um, my work has been in chemical exposures, cancer, things like that. And so, um, but moving into reproductive health is it, like Sarah just said, it's been a natural process. And don't forget that like we can, you know, a lot of these hazards that are hazards to our reproductive health, but hazards to us in general from this profession, um, they're they're manageable hazards. They're they're challenges that our fire departments and our and and us individually can meet. And some of those, obviously, some of those manageable hazards, you know, thermal, mechanical, infectious disease, communicable disease, those we recognize, we have been recognizing them, we can minimize them by using our protective equipment. Yeah, like PPE, as we all know right now, protective equipment of masks. I mean, that's one that we're using, um, our seatbelts, safe operational procedures. So I just think it's important to remember that like our actions and can help to mitigate and minimize um, what you know, those risks to our health in general, but to our reproductive health. And that's where it's been so cool, um, me moving into that. Like in in my mind, when I first started, I was like, okay, I've been doing all this on cancer. Now all all these, you know, it's coming up like we don't have, you know, what's our reproductive health? What's this? Oh, I got to move over to here. And then I realized, wait, I can take those skill set with me because it it really is all of that. I mean, as we reduce, we pay attention and we reduce those hazards or reduce those chemicals. I mean, there's a lot about, you know, health risks from occupational exposures that aren't as tangible as those other hazards, thermal hazards and mechanical hazards I was talking about, but um, they are 
affecting our reproductive health. And, and Sarah's, this is why Sarah's work and all the other scientists and researchers is so important is that it's giving us information to make informed decisions. Um, information I didn't have uh, 15 years ago when I was trying to figure out when to go temporary modified duty or when I was struggling to you know, pump in the firehouse so that I could give, give my son this, you know, the health and vitality that I thought, you know, that I knew my breast milk could give him. Like, I didn't have the information. And it just goes back to that same thing. Information is power. It doesn't change, but we can get that information and make informed decisions secondary to it. So um, I just think I love how it is all interconnected and it is doom and gloom to hear. And I get what you say, Jim, about like, how these exposures, these chemical exposures are actually can affect our offspring. Like that just gets you in the gut because we're all here for our offspring. I mean, family is so important to all of us, not just in the fire service. And when you hear that, you just go, oh my gosh, wait a minute. I'm trying to do a good thing and save lives. And this, so that is, that's, that's a hard one. And it's why it's hard to talk about, but, um, but I think there are there are manageable changes again that we can do that our departments can do that nationally we can do to to start to make the steps in the right direction. Perfect. You know, now after really looking into this this subject, I realized that there's not a lot out there. I mean, you have Title Seven of the Civil Rights from 1964. You got FMLA, but those haven't really translated very well to the fire service and many departments have no policies or they compare being pregnant to being injured, yeah. which is not really exactly the same. So um, just talking to you, Heather, um, you kind of, you were able to give me some of these policies and I know the, the gold standard policy that's in front of us now actually comes from Fairfax. Yeah. So yeah. Stephanie, I want to tag you in. Let's get you involved here. And if you can kind of give a background even of how this this whole policy procedure booklet came about, because it is uh, it encompasses an awful, awful lot. And it, it's you can see that it's beneficial to almost anybody and everybody. Like the work you did there mm -hmm. is going to help firefighters everywhere else. It is helping firefighters everywhere else because I am sending that to so many women right now, Stephanie. So I can't wait to hear from you because I, I agreed. It's like awesome to hear, Heather. Um, well, the groundwork was laid by obviously the women before me, uh, but where that that modern manual comes from is about seven reproductive years of frustration from me. Um, I first went on modified duty in 2011 with my first son, and I had to get um, a doctor's note just to be allowed to work out. So that was where we were at with the manual. It was, it was very basic. It was just, you know, fill out this form, go on light duty, God bless, good luck. And that was really it. Um, and it left, unfortunately, everything open to interpretation for supervisors. So one woman would be allowed to go work out, another would not. And it just was, it was a whole disaster. And I had to fight through with both my sons, um, even in 2015, with my second son, uh, I just really had to jump through way too many hoops to be allowed to be healthy during pregnancy. Um, and then once I had my second son, uh, just looking around the department and seeing how many women after they had had their kids had gone off to quieter firehouses, women that I knew were incredibly physically capable, mentally capable, 
and it was very surprising to me. So I, I started to go around and ask these women, hey, why did you make the decision to go from an incredibly busy firehouse to a quiet firehouse? You know, it's, it's not in your personality, what was it? And mm -hmm. I discovered this sense of physical insecurity that these women had after having their kids that really came from um, a core instability. And by core instability, I truly mean core, your muscles, because we don't do anything to educate our OBs on injuries to check for that we're gonna be at a higher risk for being under that weight bearing load, especially if we don't come out until six months pregnant, because unfortunately, Sarah's research was not around with either one of my boys. Um, and I love it because it's, uh, it's so easy for me now to be able to grab something tangible. When women ask me, hey, when should I come out and say, don't look at me. You know, I, I stayed in for six months on a fire truck. However, if I were to be pregnant today, here are the guidelines I would follow. Here's the research I would follow. So her, her research really leads the way in helping design those policies. Um, so I look forward to actually, now that I've met her and she's doing all these research, I look forward to the next manual update because we're gonna be able to provide so much more guidance in laying down that groundwork. So hopefully keep building, building from here. We definitely have a lot more, more projects to work on in Fairfax. What I love about what you do there and in that manual that you have though, is it, it's bringing the information together. And this is what I'm always telling the women that are coming to me to our young women right now and from, from all over. And, and to take that information, because it gets a little bit overwhelming. It's taken me 10 years to be reading any sort of scientific data. Sarah writes great with, she actually, you, thank you, Sarah, you write for us lay, lay people, but, um, but to take that information to your OB also, like, like to create that team. And that's what I love about that, about your manuals. It talks about that team and how you, you don't have to do that alone. You can take it to your OB, you have that information, you can talk about that. And I think that's what's so important to remember that making that decision to come off the line um, is, is a, is a personal one and one that you get to make on your own here. And we want to keep that, but that I, I, I just think that's an important thing in part to say is, is ask for help, go to your OB, make that decision together with your partner and your OB and maybe your department doctor if you have one. So I love that you guys have a, a health service a system well, I, that does that in Fairfax. I don't know how other departments that have manuals do it, but, um, and this is also something we're trying to change. COVID kind of, it's, your timing is funny in contacting me because we had just started to look at each other and say, okay, I think it's, unselfish to restart some some projects um, because we really put a stop to everything to focus on COVID. Uh, but one of the things we're definitely doing is rewriting the letter that goes to your doctor because right now they just get sent that NFPA standard saying, I can lift, I can raise a ladder. They don't read that. They look at you and they say, hey, can you do these things? Um, and not trying to take any power away from the women that might want to stay in the field longer, but we do owe them a responsibility to really give the doctor all the facts. So coming up with a letter that's a lot clearer saying, yeah. you know, take the heavy lifting out of it. Here's what I'm exposed to. Yeah. Yes, I wear protective gear, but even on EMS calls, here's what I'm exposed to. Here's what I'm exposed to in the firehouse yeah. um, before decon, all these things and making it a more digestible letter for the OBs. That's, that's definitely coming next along with a letter saying, please check me for um, these injuries. Yeah, perfect. 
Sarah, I want to tag you back in. Um, before I even do that, quick story, because Heather, you kind of said it. Uh, the first time I met Sarah, we were working on the FCSN white papers. It was 2013. She knows what I'm going to say. I took her to the airport, and we're having a normal conversation. And then she goes off on some very intelligent, smart, just knowledge. And, and I, I remember laughing, and I just said, I forget sometimes you're really smart. <laughs> Because she's one of she's one of us, but she has an alter ego of being <laughs> really, really smart. Yeah, that's what I love about her. Right, which is so easy. Why it's so easy to work with you, Sarah? Because you you do. <laughs> that's hundred percent true. Because I don't seem that smart most of the time. <laughs> oh, no, because <laughs> no. no, you can go down with us firefighters. <laughs> you have a wide range. You have a wide range. <laughs> so Sarah. I'll get back. I'll get my serious yeah. face back on. I just uh, bogged. Do I need to? Is this where I need to start sounding smart again? Oh, I don't know. Yeah, a little bit. Um, so, you know, I, I think it's it's almost we talk about in the fire service, especially when it comes to cancer, about like a badge of honor, like the you yeah. know that whole dirty the gear you were the the more you were into it, and I have to imagine, and I'm just I'm imagining because I really don't know, but probably staying on a job as long as you physically could when you were pregnant was probably kind of a badge of honor. Like it showed how badass you were. And, and now yeah. with your, with your research, Sarah, I, I don't, that's probably not the best idea. Could you kind of touch on that? I mean, I kind of get the feeling like as soon as you feel like, as soon as you know you're pregnant for your, for your, your baby's wellness, you probably should go, hey, uh, give me restricted duty somehow. Is that accurate or not? Well, okay. So I think every woman needs to and has the right to make their own decision. I can say, and I'm not a firefighter. I can say I personally would, when I found out I was pregnant, if I would prefer to go on light duty. So personally, but, but then you also have to put this in the, put it in this larger context of the culture of the fire department. And so one of the challenges that we saw, so we actually started before we did any of the quantitative stuff, we did a qualitative piece of this study. And it was talking to a lot of women about um, their experiences in the fire service. And we had one whole section was on reproductive health. And it is the only time in the 15, 20 years I've been doing research where I've been doing qualitative research that I really thought I was going to have to break up a physical fight at the table because one woman was saying, at the minute I found out I was pregnant, I went off fine. And another woman who fought a three alarm fire the day before she delivered. And it definitely, I mean, you hit on it, the nail on the head that there is this expectation. And, and we know both quantitatively and qualitatively that women in the fire service have to basically work twice as hard to be perceived as half as good. You know, I mean, there is this ex expectation. And if you look at like the health of women in the fire service, they're pretty much badass. It's like, they're generally healthier than not only the general population, but men in the fire service that they, and they work really hard to, to be, to do the job. And there is this expectation, you know, there's always like the expectation of you don't want to let your crew down, but in a lot of departments and, and in a lot of crews, there is, um, you know, getting pregnant is looked at, looked at as kind of like, um, you betrayed us. Like you're trying to take the easy way out. You're trying to, but you know, it bothers me because it's 2021. Like you should be able to have kids 
and do your job. I mean, and I think that's true for men and women. It just so happens that the women are the ones who actually carry the babies. So it bothers me that anyone would, you know, I mean, if you think about it, like a coworker, people are like, you know, I, I want to have a second baby, but people are going to, you know, a lot of them are talking about like, you know, timing of pregnancies and people view it as being, um, you know, the other people on my crew might view it as me trying to get out of work, or it might view it as like, it's 2021. Like we should be uh, as a society, okay with um, women both working and having kids. And so there definitely is like, it, it, it's a challenge for a lot of women to, to make that decision. And, you know, what is that in terms of like um, seniority and building up the, you know, your, your time, should you totally be penalized if you have a baby? Should you? And, but I think this also speaks to like the larger family leave. And once someone asked me like it most progressive maternity leave policy. And I said, well, if you want to be the most progressive, we need to talk about family leave because, you know, also, and, and it's kind of how the research on women is pointed to like the issues of sperm, like we should be supportive of anyone having a family. Like it shouldn't, like new dads shouldn't go. I've, the number of new dads I've talked to who are like, yeah, I took one shift off. Well, like one mom needs some support at home, but too, like the, that bonding that occurs in the early months, like women have the physical side of healing, but the dads also need, like, that's an important, like, let's talk family leave. And that, but the, the back to the, you know, oh, it's, a, it's an injury. Like, it's not an injury. It's 2021. We know how people get pregnant. <laughs> we know that women can and do get pregnant. Like, let's quit pretending like this is something that we don't expect, or we don't know what to do with. And I think there does need to be a shift of, um, of, of expectation. I think that as, you know, everyone talks about these recruitment and retention issues, like, I think if you're, I think it's time that we start looking at how do we recruit really great women for the fire service too. And I think maybe it would be less of an issue if we would recruit groups that have not traditionally been recruited, because then you can get the best of the best of all different subcategories. Um, but I think if you're going to do that, then let's quit being surprised that women have babies. Like, and let's quit treating them like they're trying, you know, you, sh you should never, I've, I mean, I talked to women who had been fired from jobs because they got pregnant. And, and so they, you know, had used up all their time and they're like, well, you're not able to do the job. Well, there are all sorts of injuries and other instances where there are men that have to go on light duty. And that's not, you know, my, you know, people, some people just try to say like, oh, you can't, you know, it's not an on the job injury or, um, and I'm like, well, then you should just get pregnant while you're at work. Can I tell you a story? Because we like stories and it adds, it adds yes. to the, it actually just, it just came up. So a lot of times, recently I've been doing a lot of talking with younger women coming in um, and, and that is very enlightening. They're asking a lot of questions and trying to figure out how to make, make and develop policies for so many small departments that don't have anything. And um and so that's, I, I, would, I hope we can move towards and talk some about that. But this was, this blew me away because it was actually, you know, if you go back to the Pregnancy Discrimination Act, which was an amendment to Title VII of the Civil Rights Act of 1964 that Jim talked about when we first started, it really prohibits workplace discrimination on the basis of pregnancy. And I was talking to a friend of mine who um, is an interesting, she has 29 years in, uh, we, were just, I, we were looking at that third act and she's like, yeah, I've got one. And, and so we, but, we, but we've worked together on cancer things. And, um, 
And she said, you know, I have a really interesting case study because her and her brother came in at the same time. They sat right next to each other in, in the training tower, right? And um, they, their lives kind of uh, coincided. So they each got married, had three kids, um, have spent their careers in the field, haven't, neither one of them has had any really big um, injury or disability claims or anything like that. And now they're both looking at, um, they just both went to the retirement board and looking at their numbers and stuff. And when we talk about discrimination and talk about time, like, like the time that you have to use, um, what your department covers when you go off, how it is an injury, how it's not. Uh, my friend Kathy is a year and a half in her time of how she would get the same amount of percentage on her on her uh, pension as her brother, who whose lives mirrored each other in this. And when we and to me, that's like it's this this idea that that this is like her pregnancy, her having her three children instead of her brother, who was just supporting his wife having the three children, um, put her back a, almost a year and a half in if you put all the time and, and percentages together. And that's, that's big when you're when you have 20. And so it is happening. It is happening. Our time, and um, it's hard to get into this talk, and we might not, Jim, maybe we do this again, where we actually talk about some of these numbers, because that's where in San Francisco we're hitting up against, we just go under our city policy. There's no, we have no, you know, pregnancy family leave policy for firefighters, and I'm trying to change that right now, but a lot of that comes down to, to money, and it comes down to time. You have to exhaust all your time before you can use any of that FMLA or paid family leave here in California, and that is what I want to hit up against, because that's discrimination, like, I, and and so I thank you for, for bringing that up, but it's like moving, there's so many parts to this family planning. It's, it's our health and when do we go out of the field and, and like, how do we come back to the field? Like Stephanie goes into that, like all of that is tangible and so important, but these policies, this is the stuff that's not sexy to talk about. It's a pain in the ass to write. It's a pain in the ass to look at every turn you have city, you know, people and, and unions saying that we got to, we got to get our lawyers to look at this. And it's, but it's, that's the place that really, if we're going to level this playing field, it needs to come to that, that this is not an injury. Like we are creating life. <laughs> we are bringing that into this world. And in this, in our job, it's considered an injury. So I don't know if you want to touch on that. It's kind of big, but it's no, to, uh, I'd like to dovetail onto that. Um, I actually just emailed Sarah last week, asking her if she had any new research because as good as we are in Fairfax, um, one of the issues we have right now is we're still classified as injured off duty. Um, yeah. You're really interesting to be listed as injured on duty, but no, it's it's considered an injury, <laughs> injury off duty. And the problem with that is we are then subjected to the same yeah. um, return to work timeline that mm -hmm. anyone who's injured is. is the, you know They're gonna look at it and say, okay, you know, sorry, you've been off for a year, gotta go if you can't come back to the field. And what I was discussing with Sarah is, we're seeing so many more women need IVF. Yes. So what about these women who have to come out of the field to get their shots on time? Yes. Two months is a quick time to get pregnant via IVF. That would be very fast. So let's say two months of that, almost 10 months of pregnancy, and a C-section, you know, what are we putting these women up against by keeping them in a category of injured off duty? Also, what is that saying to the young women who we want to hire 
um, who come in and perhaps get pregnant right away or start to look at our policies because you can find it online even before they make the decision to work for us. You know, that's telling them, hey, mm -hmm. this is our introduction. We consider you injured. And that's, that's not a good look. That's not a good feeling. That's not a good anything. Um, so that is, that's been a constant struggle in Fairfax for some reason. That's been the last great holdout um, despite getting everything else changed. So I it's think definitely a prevalent thinking in the fire service across the board. Yeah, the, the, the um, IVF and like having difficulties actually getting pregnant, getting pregnant. I was just last, like a couple of weeks ago up in the Pacific Northwest and the women up in Tacoma, specifically a woman, Maya Earl, who works for Tacoma, she's doing some amazing work around that. She, um, and so I just gonna give her a little hit. She has a nonprofit called the Beltane Guild. You can find her beltaneguild.org. And this actually her little nonprofit that she started gives money to firefighters suffering from infertility because she talks a lot about that. And she is now working. Um, if you go to her website, there's a lot of information, all of Sarah, if you want quick find a lot of Sarah's um, and any, and other researchers, uh, their research is on there. She talks a lot. She helps people out. And I just think you're, you're so right, Stephanie, there's, 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 a lot of, there's a lot of layers to this onion and um, and it's uncomfortable for our departments to start to look at it because it's just easier to put us in the category of injury and we're not it's not an injury and I don't I don't I don't quite yet know how to how to switch that conversation to to a more positive bent and start to change that so let's yeah just this I mean I guess this is the beginning to it this is the opportunity to at least start and educate and yeah. really put this issue on a map. Uh, and I'm hope that we're helping with that. Yeah. Uh, I know Sarah's has the, the women's fire group that's doing, you know, tremendous work. It, actually, that's probably a good lead in to you kind of talk about that, if you don't mind, Sarah. Yeah, um, so we have a project with Women in Fire and um, part of it is to pull together what we do know. So basically like lit review um, and a lot of it, like I said, is from the nineties and then kind of the new stuff coming out and looking at putting that document together that you can take to your provider that outlines the risks that they need to be aware of. Um, and then really making like, I, I think it was Stephanie that said like you take, you know, the NFPA standard to the doctor and you have 10 minutes to talk to them and feel like it takes 10 minutes to get through the intro. So what that kind of that information and where do you need to get that out to? And then looking also at, um, at policies and what are kind of some of the, at a national level, some of the things that you need to be considering and, and what can be implemented, what should be implemented, those types of things. So giving some recommendations for that, because one of the things we found with our qualitative work is you do not want to be the first woman on a department who gets pregnant, because then it falls to you to write the policy, and that is often not well received. So, let's, yeah. Speaking of that, let's, let's take, let's run on that. If that was you, or if you were a department, you were trying to be a little proactive, even though you're really still behind at times. What would you gals suggest, you know, where do, where do you start? How do you, how do you get this into actual policy, something that'll work for you and your family and, and protect these firefighters and their kids? Because this is, I mean, there's not a whole lot of this stuff out there and it's just unfortunate. So just how would you recommend yeah. kind of getting started? 
Uh, well, you know, hopefully soon between and and Heather and Stephanie are both helping out with the Women of Fire project. Hopefully, we'll have that kind of all in one place. But I think one of the first things is just to to understand um, what can be done within the department. But I also kind of think like, um, like let's not, you know, what can be done. But then like, how do start the conversations of do we have to fit this into one of the pots that we already exist? Do we have to fit this into the, the pot of an off-duty injury, or can we look at this as like, I don't know, maybe creating a new human being, and maybe that's different than hurting your foot at a, at a softball game, and so is there a possibility in talking to HR of, like, could we actually maybe just pretend like pregnancy is a thing that we know happens, and can we write policies around that, and um, and then, you know, what is, and family, you know, family leave policies and looking at that more generally and just really understanding for your specific um, state, you know, what are the federal, um, federal regulations and what are the state level regulations that we need to end laws that we need to make sure that we abide by. Um, but then I just, you know, I, I just really encourage, I, I really encourage people to try to shift that because I think kind of framing it in the early stages as let's shift this from a, oh my God, so I was gonna get pregnant to like a, okay, how can we be a good department? You know, like how can we take care of our people? How do we, you know, women, like I said, they tend to be just like really, like go-getter badasses, like fantastic firefighters. So how do we make sure that we keep the best of the best? I mean, let's, so, so what would you do around any instance to do that? And so that, that's where I think you start is kind of those conversations. And then, you know, put, definitely pull in um, the data and that type of stuff. But I think that, I think framing it in terms of not a, an albatross around our neck of another policy we have to write, but looking at, you know, what, like this is a great way to be a better department. I, I think that it's gonna come from us though. And so I would just like, as you, like, I don't know a single, I, I don't know if it's different somewhere else, but our HR department, you go and ask questions and it's never given, it's never given easily. And no, honey, I'm sorry, you can't do that. So when you get that, no, honey, I'm sorry, you can't do that. That's not how we do that here. That's where you have to smile and go and get on the computer and look up. I mean, there's laws, there's lactation laws. And so departments, I, I wish that all of our departments, you know, had an extensive family planning policy and they, we were, were moving into that, but they, but they don't, and they don't want to, or if they, you know, so, so you have to sometimes get a little tough and us fire women know that and you have to look at the laws and this is a lactation rooms like it's a we got sued in San Francisco by one of our one of our we are getting sued by one of our uh, paramedics single function paramedics because there weren't lactation rooms she was lactating you know she was trying to pump in the back of an ambulance and and so we've just done you know a whole survey of all of our firehouses and other buildings and you know trying to start to like that's a law in California um, you have to, and so that's, that's where you, you have to sometimes get tough and you have to start there. So find out in your state what your laws are, um, start to write it. If you want, I mean, I, I used, um, I hope that's, I hope it's fine, but I, I, I gaffed a lot of things from Fairfax. And so I started writing a policy. Don't start from just like, okay, you know, what's the meaning of this policy on a blank sheet of paper? Look at the Beltane Guild also has a bunch of our policies, some in draft and some not. This program with Women in Fire, the Reproductive Health Group, like that's what we're working on, trying to get a template so that someone has somewhere they can go and say, okay, now let me, I have some place to start. Now let me look at my state laws. 
let me start plugging this in. If you go to HR and say, can you help me write a family planning policy um, that, that is supportive of, of me and my, my, my unborn child, they're going to say, um, yeah, well, you know, come back. And so you, we have to be proactive in it. And that's, and that's where um, reaching out to us, um, you know, keeping an eye on IAFF also has a lot of stuff. Um, if we have a health and safety part of IAFF now. And if you get online or if you make some calls, they have a lot of information. So just, it's a hard step to take. It's like a, it's like a, ooh, I almost just cursed there. It's like a chasm. And um and, and to jump over that just to get started. So it doesn't have to be. And that's what our reproductive health group that we're doing with all these researchers and firefighters and, and women in fire, we're trying to come up with that stuff, but it's also out there. Or you can find me online um, and I'll send you the stuff I have, which is gonna be the stuff from Stephanie and other departments I've reached out to, because that's how I started. I just reached out and I started writing to women I knew in different departments saying, do you have a maternity policy? Do you have a maternity policy? And, and can you send it to me? So um, let's help each other with that. It's a really hard step, but it's so important. I mean, just, I just feel like, again, this also, and, I, and I'll stop, but letting our departments know an extensive family planning policy, pregnancy, maternity, it's a lot of stuff in there. It'll help not only recruit women, it'll help keep, um, keep women, it, it, you can support women, and it will give us this diverse workforce that we really want. And it will help also to protect the employer and us and the employees. So there's, it's like a win-win all around, but you have to frame it that way and start to get your information before you go to HR, because they're just going to say, no, honey, <laughs> we don't have that. Go back to work. Jim, I think um, adding on to all of these ladies have said, I think one thing that people need to keep in mind when they go to write these policies, um, and policies is my wheelhouse, that's what I enjoy doing and teaching. You have to think of long-term of mom. So this isn't just, hey, I need to come up with this short-term fix. I got a pregnant woman, gotta, gotta hurry to protect her in the department. Um, for a long-term plan to truly succeed, you need to think of, Two scenarios. I have an active mom who really wants to stay active. She understands that she needs to come away from the hazards. How can we keep this mom, if she wants to be, on her feet, engaged, um, have her doing non-hazardous drills if she wants to, your tech rescue, rescue drills, stuff like that. That's a policy we just changed in Fairfax, thankfully, um, allowing women to do that. Um, but then also your high-risk mom who maybe does need to sit behind a desk. And traditionally what departments have done, to include mine, is taken a woman, shoved her behind a desk. And can you imagine going from an incredibly active lifestyle to sitting behind a desk with free access to snacks, no, you know, no working out, you're setting a woman up for a disaster of a pregnancy. You're setting her up to gain a bunch of weight and then you're setting her re-entry into the field up to be that much harder. So we really need to plan for those two types of women, the high risk and those who wanna stay active. Departments need to look at how they can create positions, whether it be teaching up at the academy, teaching EMS, whatever for those moms, and not just shove them behind a desk, because we are going to come back into the field, and we would like to come back fit and prepared, so give us that extra help when you write these policies. Perfect. I know a thing that I talked about last time uh, was if you're, if you're hitting a brick wall, go to the media. You know, it's not, it's not the first thing you do, but if you're not getting anywhere, bring them in because the optics of this 
it just doesn't look good. Like Sarah said, it's 2021. Shouldn't have to deal with this anymore. Agree? Disagree? Agree? Okay. Sarah, if you don't mind, um, you know, these ladies have have their baby, but it's not quite done yet. You know, let's let's talk about the whole breastfeeding thing because I think this is significant mm. too. And something that, that we just aren't educated enough about. Yeah. Um, so Jeff just did a, a study, he did a pilot study a while ago his own just research funds to look at safety of breast milk. And he found an elevation up to 72 hours post incident of, um, of carcinogens and, and or after fire. And wasn't sure if it was a, you know, it was a small sample and he wasn't sure if it was just an artifact study that we worked on with him um, and recruited from our larger cohort and looked at uh, safety of breast milk. And, and he, so we, he compared, he had women, because uh, they're, you know, environmental exposures, right, that can, that can get into your breast milk. So one of the things he did with this study that I thought was really nice was compared it to women in the same community who were breastfeeding, so friends of the the breastfeeding firefighters and then um, looked at across time and he still again data has not been published yet but preliminary review of the their preliminary run of the data looks like up to 72 hours there were still um, toxins in the breast milk and so you know we were hoping that we would have like a we were hoping when we didn't measure past that because he didn't think that there would be anything past back that um, so we were thinking that it would fall off and that we would be able to make a really clear recommendation but um, I don't think if the as he analyzes and publishes so this is all kind of preliminary and and I'll give it that caveat that we want to make sure that it gets through the peer review process but um, in the meantime I, I'd say be very careful um, about weighing, you know, the risk benefit of breastfeeding, especially if you're at fighting a lot of fires. Thank you so much for sharing that. Uh, I know we, we covered an awful lot of stuff in, in a short amount of time. Is there is there anything else that uh, is significant that you want to throw out there as well? Kind of open it up to any of you. I think the next step, um, after we really conquer the pregnancy world is to start looking at, um, and this still falls to me under reproductive health and the differences in women's body is as we age uh, that, and hormonal changes. We've talked about stuff like how women have a higher rate of Hashimoto's in the fire department um, and early menopause. And hopefully the scientific community, Sarah, will really start to look at those things. So we can see how that how that changes how we physically train for the job. Um, time and retention, how are we gonna change that? Maybe we're not doing the heavy deadlifting, the heavy squatting, we're coming up with a smarter way to work out. I think the end goal of all of this is really longevity of the women in the fire service and having a healthy, happy um, career, both in the field and then heading us towards retirement because we are, we are different. We're here to stay, but our bodies are different and embracing that as a culture and helping us to writing policies to help us be smarter about it and healthier with it. Um, so I think that's gonna be fun to see, see the research Sarah does with hormones and stuff as, as she pushes forward. Awesome. I think I just like to end it on a positive that this like, 
talking about reproductive health and family planning, it's, I mean, my, my son is a joy in my, well, he's 15. He's not always a joy, but he is like, like it is so, it's so awesome. And it's so important. And I am, I was really excited about all of these young women coming in now, instead of what I did when I was a young woman in the fire department, where I just put my head down and I worked hard. And, and when I, got pregnant, I just, you know, did what I did on my little own. These women are connecting now. They're, they're looking up before they're pregnant. They're thinking about it. They're saying, this is what we want. And there's this real groundswell to change here. And, and just, if we can help keep that going, like that's how I look as a OG in this department, you know, in this, in this world, I have five years left in my career. And what can I do to support that? And so that's the positive is there is, there's a lot of good change and women asking questions and wanting to write policy and looking for help. And there's folks out there like Sarah and Stephanie and I who have been through it and are working on that and we can all, and we're all connecting. So there is this groundswell of change and I feel positive about that. I left this group of 11 different fire departments with all these young women up in the Pacific Northwest uh, last couple of weeks ago. And I just felt so positive about that. So um, I just want to leave it at that. Like there, the change is happening. Reach out if you need some, you need something, you need some support and, um, and we'll, we'll hear, we're here to help hold you up. That's what we're, we're doing. Awesome. You got anything doc? I, you know, I just agree with other, I think that, um, you know, people, we talk a lot about like the uh, things that haven't changed and like the progress that hasn't been made, but I'm also, so, and it's really easy to get bogged down in that, but I also think like, it's awesome that we're having this conversation, that this is a podcast that you wanted to put together, that there are people who want to listen to this podcast, that they're, you know, that FEMA was willing to fund research in this area. Like, I think that it's come a long way. I don't think we're where it should be, but I mean, it's awesome that we're at the point that we are and we're having the conversations we have the data now that we have and there's there is stuff to educate people on so i mean it's a slow process and i get that and i i know people get frustrated with that but i think you also have to look at where we were and like i think we're headed in the right direction and and movements happening so now's the time perfect i can't thank all of you enough for for joining me and i really do help this help uh, this helps and, and more than anything, I think it just comes down to doing the right thing. All these departments, all these cities, townships, municipalities, just do the right thing. It's 2021. Let's do the right thing. Yeah. With that, I think we are all out of time. I'll let uh, Heather go back to bed because I know she got up early for us. <laughs> but uh, no, I'll, I'll put all the links uh, to the websites. I'll put, if you don't mind, I'll put the email. So if, if anybody is looking for help, if they, they want that Fairfax or any of the other uh, policies that are out there, any of the studies, I'll put this all in a link on, on Fire Engine. So with that, again, thank you so much, ladies. I, I really do appreciate it.